1: My buddy, Dan Goldman, uh, is a narrative designer and visual storyteller working in comics, television, interactive media, and video games. Uh, creator of the Eisner-nominated Shooting War webcomic. He also covered an entire presidential election in comics form in real time with... Oh, wait, you kind of got lucky, right? That it wasn't like 12 or 16. 16 been. Yeah, it, w- it would have been, been rough. It would have been rough. <laughs> yeah, that book would have looked very uh, not like the other one. Um... Uh, told psychedelic tropical ghost stories in red light properties and created an Indian feminist icon to stand up for victims of violence against women with Priya Shakti. Uh, He's also produced Emmy-winning experiences for AMC Television, written two video games based on The Walking Dead, and episodes of the animated series for television. Uh, Dan currently serves as narrative lead at Kinjin Story Lab, where he incubates story-based projects at the intersection of technological innovation and social good. He lives in Los Angeles with his partner and two cats. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan Goldman.
0: Come around this way. Uh, thanks everybody for coming. Um, I, uh, I didn't want to do a huge presentation. I thought I would talk for like 15 minutes about kind of background material for the book. Um, give you a little extra sort of behind the scenes stuff. And then, um, and then I thought maybe we could just do like, we could talk and just do Q and A, you know, you can ask me whatever you like. Um, so, uh, the book you're about to learn about is called Chasing Echoes. It comes out today and, um, I'm really excited about that. <clears throat> uh, this is a uh, wow. Um, so the the book is a. Uh, it's probably the most personal thing that I've ever written or, or that's ever been published, uh, rather. And um, it's uh, loosely based on a trip that I I took with my family about two or three years three years ago, and I'll tell you about that in a second as well. But um, it's out today, uh, this is my local indie bookstore and I'm really pleased to be here and, and that the, the launch night was here in my hood and that you guys came out and uh, all, the, all those nice things. Um, so about the book, um, so Chasing Echoes, um, it really starts with, well, that didn't happen, so. There we go. So the book starts with this guy. Um, that's my grandfather, my Zadie. Uh, his name is Shalom, and uh, he um, he had a, a, a really interesting life. But his you know, his childhood and adolescence was really swallowed up by the Holocaust. Um, he fought in the uh, underground resistance in Poland. He was in the Polish army. Uh, he was in four different camps before he was liberated, uh, and met my grandmother in the last one. And um, he would tell us stories, and that's sort of how the book starts. Uh, he would sit down the grandkids, <clears throat> and 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 tell stories about uh, the war that were really not age appropriate. They were most of them were horrific and gruesome, and it was important to him that we knew um, we knew what had happened. And we never took for granted the way that we lived or our status as Americans and how we were allowed to pass, and he would tell us all the time, you know, uh, you live here, but this can change at any moment. And like, no matter what, first and foremost, you are, you're, you're a Jew, and, and if you forget that, someone's gonna remind you of it. And it, was, it sounds really dark and really crazy, except that we're having this conversation now in 2019, and it, it feels like more pressing than ever. Um, I joked <clears throat> when, uh, when uh, the president got elected this time around, that we were back on the minority list again, so it was kind of funny. We got <laughs> status change anyway. Um, so, so my, so my Zaidi would sit and tell us stories, and he'd wag his finger at us and talk about how, um, you know, he would tell stories about his life before, uh, in the old country, um, and it always seemed like an abstraction. And so we, we had said to him all the cousins individually, and. My parents and, and my uh, my aunts had never seen it, never seen this place. And he t- talked about the this flour mill that he grew up on, uh, and we were bothering him for a long time. Like, let's go see it. Like, the war is decades away, decades past. Like, let's. We want to. We want to go there. We want to reconnect with this route that that you cut off, or or that the world cut off. And so, we made plans to do this uh, about thirty years ago. Uh, we bought tickets and we did all the hotel reservations. And then he had a heart attack. And then he had another heart attack. And then he was gone. And when he went, we nobody knew where it was anymore. Like, we lost our, our thread to our history. And, um, and then, you know, life happened from there. And, um, you know, a couple decades went by. And then um, I think it was something that was important to all of us. And we just didn't really have that conversation together for a long time. And then... Um, 30 years later, that trip finally happened. Um, the way that that trip happened was that my stepmother is an a Elton John nut, and Elton John was playing a concert um, in, uh, in Oswem, Poland, which is, uh, the German name is Auschwitz, and that's where the camp was. And um, it just seemed too weird. So when my, my dad and stepmom were FaceTiming me about, oh, we're gonna go see, go to Poland and see Elton John, and my dad said, "Well, we're we're gonna go try to find the mill, the flour mill that, that belonged to our zaidi. Uh, I, I just everything just kind of went white for a second, and I was like, "I want to do this. I want. I'm, I'm in. How do how do I do this?" And word spread around the family, and the next thing we knew, a couple months later, we were all in Poland or en route to Poland, and it, it just it just happened in like a really beautiful way. Um, so, <clears throat> this I took this photo of that gate on look the most beautiful idyllic day, uh, when you come through the, the museum entrance and you pay your ticket and you come out and you see that gate. I, I don't think I've ever felt sicker in my life looking up at that. Um, and then at the same time, the birds were chirping and the sun was shining, the air smelled delicious. Um, not like barbecue, but like flowers and uh, it, was, it, was really, uh, it was really crazy, um, the, the energy of the place. So we, we went to the camp, and we, we did a whole tour, and part of the, the trip was that we didn't really know if we were going to be able to find the mill. It was more of a question, and we had documents, and we had some research materials, but we really didn't have a lot. And so it became kind of like a, a treasure hunt for our history, um, and that seemed like a really good story. Um, we did Spoiler, we did find the mill. That's my actual family. Um, I didn't put them in the book because they'd never speak to me again. But um, so I, I and I'll talk about that in a second too. But we did find the mill. That's the actual mill. And um, and then uh, we found a lot, a lot else too. Like here on the on the left is um, a building. It was one of three buildings that my great grandfather built. That is now like the Polish equivalent of Section Eight housing. And the holes are where somebody had ripped off the mezuzahs from the, the doorways. And then across the street there were swastikas, you know, painted all over and that was more recent. It was obviously they didn't have I think I don't think they had aerosol cans during the war. Um but it, the sense as we traveled around the country was that those feelings uh about my people um literally my people were still very much there and hadn't gone hadn't really traveled very far. Um and so I got home. Really I was flying home uh and the trip started to connect, in my head, into more of a narrative or more of a story, and it felt, it felt like something that wasn't just for me and my family, but was something that a lot of people would see themselves in with their own family and their own roots. And you know, uh, a lot of families have have histories that are broken by war, and this I, I think it it just seemed like it would touch a lot of people. So I started to do this. This was a version of the story. Um, that I titled, uh, Bringing the Blood Home, and I was gonna do for a site called The Nib. And um, I was very excited to work with them because they're cool and and they're smart people, but they wanted the story to, I had turned in a script that was 50 pages and they wanted to do um, 30 pages. And it was just like, I was like, I can't can't do all of the things I wanna do with this little real estate. Um, And I, I walked away from it, but in this version of the story, it's really, I'm the main character, and I, I think that by the time I got through the whole script, I was kind of bored of myself. And so uh, I knew that which, uh, whatever direction I wanted to go in, I, I wanted to uh, not keep the camera as focused on me. Um, I did sit down and write a one-page treatment of the thing, which I've never done before, and I, I actually sold the book to the publisher on a, on a single-page treatment, uh, which was fun. and. Uh, see oh yeah and then um, I had to do this Uh, so I shot this photo about a month after I got back from Poland and had this this kind of like experience revisiting you know white nationalists in Eastern Europe and then I was in my hotel room at Comic-Con and it was during the Republican National Convention in 2016 and he was giving this speech that was like full Hitler and I, I, I just remember taking this photo because it was like, this felt like history to me. And it, I didn't know if I was rubbed raw and oversensitive because of what I had just experienced or if, the, or, or if my like Judar was going off for real. And it turned out that I was right. Um, so as I said, I, I, didn't want my, I didn't want to hurt my family's feelings doing the book about them and, and getting, you know, because the last time that happened, they, they didn't speak to me for a long time. So, you know, word to the wise. Um, but uh, so what I did do is I created a different family. I created a family called the Blooms. I, I built their family tree and I had little, you know, character bios for everybody and figured out how they all fit together um, in such a way that, you know, I, I would still have my own family when the book came out. Um, these, uh, so I worked with um, a friend of mine that I know from uh, the comics community in Brazil. Uh, I lived in Sao Paulo for a couple years. And uh, George Shaw wound up drawing this book. And we've been flirting with each other uh, to collaborate on a project for like seven years. And it just happened to be this was the right thing at the right time for both of us. And um, so these are his layouts. And I, I didn't know how inside baseball you guys wanted me to get with comics, but um, this is most of the book. It's just done in tiny, tiny little thumbnails. So you can see, how, you know before he really drew anything, he, he laid out the entire book <clears throat> this way. And uh, uh, George, it had been a little bit since we talked about working together. And over that time, he had done a bunch more work and gotten, like, amazing. And so um, when he sent over these samples, this was this was a project he wanted to draw that died. But um, this was, uh, on the left, Billy Pilgrim is from uh, Vonnegut's uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, which I really would love to see a comic adaptation of, but his version, for whatever reason, didn't... Didn't happen, but the, um, he did a couple pages of like World War II scenery with this, and I was like, "Oh, you're you're the guy. This is this is really going to be amazing." Um, but he he can do anything. He's wonderful, and he's a. I think we're going to do a lot of stuff together. Um, so we started working. Uh, we sold the book to Humanoids, who is the publisher now, and um, I was very excited about that because I was reading Humanoids books, you know, as probably when I was. Um, Too young to be reading them because you know some of them are kind of sexy, but uh, I was into that and like sci-fi sexy, and uh, so uh, to be part of that roster was a really, really big deal. It was an honor for me, Uh, and they had just launched uh, about a year before we signed with them um, a like a literary real life stories imprint called Life Drawn. and so we're on that, Um, and then George and I got to work, so he had laid out the book, we had designed characters, and I, I just put a bunch, because we did a million covers, and it's kind of like a running joke in our house, like, you know, how, how many dozens of covers we, we had to draw before something got accepted. I wanted to show you some of those, because I think some of them are really cool. I really like this one. This one I thought was gonna be it when we turned it in, and then somebody at the publisher said that it looked like it should be hanging in a doctor's office or a hospital. So that didn't fly, but I'm I'm into this one still. And then uh, we went back to the drawing board. So this is George's process, and we would get on. I don't remember like WhatsApp or I think it was WhatsApp, and we would talk through and and shoot each other um, sketches back and forth for like I mean George and I were talking. I would say like an hour and a half every day for most of this year, and um, you know we one of these designs became this, which is a little closer. I, I really love this drawing. Um, and then that became this, which was even closer. And then and then I thought, you know, if you can see the, oops, shit, um, I just blew that, sorry. Um, so what we did was we turned the camera so that the, the mill was the focus of everything. And that way it, I don't know, it just felt more, more inviting And uh, so that became the final cover very quickly after months and months and months of talking about it. Um, So um, that's really all I wanted to talk about. I wanted to really interact with you guys. So uh, the book itself, my little tagline that that I I invented the the night before it went to press, so I put it on the cover, (laughs) is uh, that it's a graphic novel about generations of survivors surviving each other, which I thought was like kind of jokey Jewish enough to attract people. But um, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Um, And uh, I would love for everybody to, you know, obviously ask me questions and we're happy to talk about it. But um, I'd also just like to hear what you think about the book once you've read it. Um, Because that's, that's what it's for. Um, And again, you know, like, this is literally the first event I'm doing. The book is out today. And like, Yay. Awesome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so, so, yeah. Wh- what you got? I have a question about your, your family. You don't want to use your name. Yeah. But there's characteris- uh, characteristics in there that if they do read it, they'll be able to like, say, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I think so. Are they
1: still going to
0: get mad? They've all read it now. Okay. So I, I got vetted. And uh, we were in, um, a couple months ago, uh, we met my dad in Vegas, and he was like really, I think he was the most nervous. And um, he, uh, he made a big show about like, just send me the PDF. And he read it on his phone, where he was like pinching in and out of every panel. And he went through 150 pages on his phone. And, and then like, it took him a couple days. And then at, we were at a restaurant, and he was like, I just want you to know, I'm very proud of you. And uh, it, you know, and of course I, I just immediately peed. So, <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, no, it was good. And uh, I was worried and he was very, like I would look, see him reading across the room and he was very serious and very scary. And I was like, oh my God, he's not gonna talk to me for a year again. But it uh, it all worked out really nicely. And uh, yeah, everybody, and the, the people that I was the most nervous about, I, I changed the most, the most and kind of wrote away from. And there was little, you know there is there are there are some things in there but i'm i'm not going to talk about them on a on a podcast but yeah your grandfather is your dad is your dad's dad my dad's dad yeah And did you, were you able to include a bunch of stories that your grandfather had told? oh yeah yeah the the narrative of the book uh moves in and out of time um it, it, what's interesting though is like there there have been a lot of graphic novels about the subject, but I think that this book has a very, um, it's very much from a third generation remove and very, third generation American. Um, And so it's not so much, there are scenes that take, that are are with my grandfather during the war, but it's not the focus of the book as much as it's about the reverberations of that and like how it moved through the family and changed and or defined us and maybe broke us apart too. And um, that's a good question. But it it does jump around. Um, There are scenes in the 80s. There are scenes in the wartime. There are scenes from my uh, aunt and dad's um, childhood, too. I don't know how much detail you have in the
1: book about, for instance, I'm curious how old
0: your grandfather was when he was in a camp. Um, He, um, before he was in a camp, he actually signed up. When the Germans came in, he was 17. Um, and he had just left to, uh, to join the Polish army, so he went off to fight and defend his his land at the age of seventeen and while he was away, the Nazis moved in, and everybody was gone when he got back and that 's in the book there's all these, uh, all these stories. Um, something else that happened i don't uh, nobody asked this question yet, but um, something else that happened to me while I was writing it was uh, i 'm not a very religious person like I 'm I'm, I'm what they call a, a lousy Jew. Uh, I'm not good at the religion. I'm not. It's not. It's not. A, hasn't been a big part of my life, and um, there were points when I was writing the script where I I started to like hear melodies of prayers while I was writing about them, and I I have like pieces of prayers in the book, and it was deeper into the religion than I ever thought. It's. I mean, it's not that deep, honestly, but it was still way deeper than I expected I was going to go. But what happened was that while I was writing it and while I was hearing these this stuff like started coming out of me and the next thing I know, I'm like writing scenes and I'm like sobbing at the typewriter, at the typewriter, the keyboard. Um, wow, um, but uh, yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I found myself crying my eyes out like two or three different times during the writing of the book and that really surprised me because I didn't, I felt like I had put all that stuff to bed and, uh, and apparently not and, um, and since I got it out of me and now it's in the world, I've found other people that have had experiences like this that have been kind of floating through my life and I'm having these kind of conversations and like I'm not necessarily going to be a observant of any religion but it was just really interesting to connect with people on that level where I think I had just closed the door and locked it from the inside and uh, I feel like you know it's open now and that, it's, that actually feels really good. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't want to spoil everything. But what's interesting about the trip is the trip. There's a huge chunk of the trip that isn't in the book because it didn't. It didn't fit. It's not that story. But um, the Elton John concert. The, the Elton John concert is in the book, um, and I, I really like the way I handled the that sequence with the lyrics and everything. I think it's funny. Um, but the uh, there's a chunk of the trip where we were in Hungary, and it was my my stepmom. Um, I'm so happy that you asked, because I, I wanted to bring this up. So my, my stepmom's mother was a Hungarian survivor. And so in Hungary, the Nazis arrived only a year before the end of the war. So she, they didn't get it as bad as like the Polish who had, who were under the Germans for four years. Uh, and they, they just has a different level of suffering. So um, my grandma, I'm sorry, my stepmother's mom passed away a couple of years ago, but right before she died, she dictated a letter. And she said that if you, she never wanted to go back to Hungary, but she said, if, if you ever do, I would like you to deliver this letter to the head of my town because her town, which was called uh, Nirmada, and um, they sold out their Jewish neighbors. Like the Nazis came and they're like, oh, it's them and them and them. And it was like, boom. And they were, they were just all sent to Auschwitz. And so um, from the grave, Uh, my stepmother's mother had like this moment of justice and we we met with the town elder in the town hall and they had like this this very fine hungarian chef that they were honoring us because we were coming back and they were making a big show about how open-hearted and understanding they were and then and then bonnie like takes out this letter and unfolds it and it was like boom this incredible bomb from beyond the grave and that was an incredible moment but it didn't fit in this story because it wasn't about that, um, I th- so as far as omissions, yeah, I mean there were a bunch of things. There were th- there were things that were like a little too personal or too on the nose, and then there were other things that just thematically didn't fit. They didn't make sense. Um, I was going to say something. What's that? Oh, inventions. Yeah, yeah, I invented a lot. I I, I did. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I mean I, I I really it was like taking the itinerary of, of the trip and editing that and then inventing this family to and those characters to send along the itinerary so that was um that was harder than I thought it actually ate up about a month of my time before I even started scripting it was just about developing the blooms as characters and um and that part was uh that was a lot more work than I expected um yeah I can't think of like a it, it, so I guess my invention was really more about the characters than about the the plot because the, itiner- the itinerary existed so
1: yeah So do you go into uh, you know it's funny because I mm-hmm. remember when you came back with friends with Dan and you told me a little bit about the trip Yeah Do you go into the climate
0: that your family felt Yeah missing? yeah yeah So I, I had you told me a few Yeah 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 there was th- that's in there and um, there was um, there was also this confront oh so so I think like the let me answer that and then I'll I'll get exactly. into something else so um, so definitely so there we there was a confrontation that I had with um, the descendant of the f- the Nazi sympathizer family in my grandfather's town uh, who sold my family out to the Germans like I, I met him. And we met through like iron bars of his house, and it was really an, it, 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 I was like shaking after, and and I gave that experience to the the co- the main character of the book, who is sort of based on my cousin. And um, there were a lot of those kind of things where it was like I knew, and I talked to everybody on the trip because every you know there were parts we were together and parts we were separate. So it was like I just got to cherry pick and kind of like give the best moments to the characters that made sense with those moments. And so, um, so I, I, I showed before the, there was art where I was the main character of the book and, and now the main character is, uh, is Malka who is, is based on one of my cousins. And um, I was thinking about the story and who like boiling it down to make it drama like i wanted i wanted to have a clear protagonist and i wanted to have somebody that was in her way the whole tr- the whole time and and my cousin was going through like some really heavy like post divorce life shit and um it, it and then she dropped everything that she had like tenuous control over in her life to to come and be on this trip and it, i felt like it made her an incredibly interesting viewpoint character and then everyone else judging her and very specifically like the character based on my dad being the most awful. And um, and I think that those that relationship is really what the book is about. And then the rest of the family is just sort of like viewpoints. And it was interesting too, um, talking about viewpoints, um, having a bus full of people with like different, different definitions of themselves as like, what does it mean to be Jewish? What does it mean to be this, you know, this this thing I call myself and the different interp- interpretations or interpolations of what of what that is, you know, I have like uh, one one cousin who who moved to Israel to be more holy and everything that happened to her, and then you have like the you know the, the the Jewish atheists, and then you have the the people that practice and are very judgmental about that and keep kosher, and there were a lot of different voices and a lot of different viewpoints about. What it means to be one of us, and and it was cool to put them all on one bus and let them argue for two weeks as they drove around Poland in search of the same thing. It just seemed like when I I got I finally got on the plane and the trip was over, it, it was all like the movie was already in my head, and I just I just had to start making notes and then you know and then the the book happened uh, eventually. There were eleven total. Yeah, and then we had a, a driver who didn't speak English and was drunk most of the time, and then uh, at one point we had a fixer uh, to help us because nobody spoke Polish, so we had a fixer near the end when we were like, okay, if we don't, if we don't find the mill in the next 48 hours, like this whole thing's hosed, and we're just gonna go to a hotel and relax, and like th- this is it, it's either now or never. And then we, and then with her help we found it. It was cool, and that you know those details of the trip are in the book, just in you know, a invented, heightened, you know, wackier way. So uh so yeah.
1: Were other members of your party similarly affected at the gates of office?
0: Yeah, I everybody got really physically sick, um and it was really hard to uh even talk when the time you come out of it. It was just and it's awful too because you go to you get to the gate I had never been and I, I I mean to be to be perfectly honest, I never wanted to go and I'm glad I I made myself. But I, I didn't I didn't ever want to physically be there because I knew it was gonna be horrible and I I don't know. And uh you get through the gate and all of a sudden the walkway gets really narrow and, and I'm I just remember turning turning to Lily and being like, They're really gonna make us walk single file through this thing? Like that is like how is how is that no one thought about that. That's terrible. And so you walk single file through the whole museum, the whole experience through the camp. And you really like the feeling of being on a on a death march is not lost on you. Um, but we all got sick and well, felt sick. And um, when you leave Auschwitz, you actually go to uh, Birkenau, which is the, the, the Auschwitz 2.0 that they built after to murder more people. and. Um, when that was done, I think nobody could talk. It was the only time on the trip that we weren't eating. Like when had, nobody had any appetite, we were just like, no, no, nobody, My, you know, anybody want lunch? No, nobody wants lunch, nobody wants lunch. Stop talking about food. And we just, were quiet, we went back to the hotel. Eventually we were able to drink, and then we got really drunk, and then we went to see Elton John in the rain, and we were, and, and drank even more. And it was really the only way to make sense of that was just <clears throat> like, being together and like passing the point where you we were just it was just ridiculous and you had to just laugh and, and eventually try not to throw up on each other and um and just be outside and and in this other moment and it was really it was a, the highs and the lows of that day are it was one of the wildest days of my life. Um, yeah, it was
1: uh, I, I mean, I recommend
0: the experience if you can get it, but uh, it, it was not easy. Um, that was kind of a downer. Anybody have a question about <laughs> i don 't know the art or something i 'm um, like happy to talk about that um, I, I do usually draw uh, i 've drawn a bunch of comics and graphic novels, and this one I did not, and that was uh, delicious as I got to work on all kinds of other things while George was working for like you know six or nine months on the, on the book itself. Uh, that was great, and i I, I think that um, I think we're going to do a lot more stuff together. He's he's really cool to work with. Did you allow your family to give you notes on their characters inspired by them? No, no. I talked to them about it beforehand. Um, I asked if there were any places I was allowed to. I, I was forbidden to go. Um, I don't think that half of them. I don't think understood what was happening, um, and so you know, I, I I know where you know what what point is too far, um, and I think that the. Um, I think the most i think the most ridiculous character in the book is based on me, and i'm fine i'm like I can take those punches so i'm I'm cool with that but uh you know I think that's healthy but uh, i didn't i i was very careful not to hurt anybody and, uh, you know that that's no good um but the character my cousin who is the basis for Malka, mm-hmm. I had a two hour conversation with her as I started once I had figured out that i I thought she was the main character of the book <clears throat> I wanted her. I wanted her to give me carte blanche, and she did. She was super cool about it. She was just excited to like, get the starring role, if you will, in the, in the story, and she thought it was awesome. And she's so happy. She loves the book. But, um, but I did add stuff, and I think that there was a point where she was reading the, the book when it came out, or when, it, when I sent it to her. And um, I think she was starting to get offended, and then stuff started happening that, wasn't, that never happened. And she was like, oh, oh, this is a character. OK, cool. So I think it was like a, you know, the right insertions of fiction. Like uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I think that saved it. So that was good. Yeah. Was there any family, like, specifically against you writing the book, and that it was? About the um, I think they were, but they didn't say so. Okay. So you know, like I could tell by how quickly my dad demanded the PDF before it came out, and I was like, I, I was like, just so you know, it's already off at the printer like there's nothing can be done now but he he was like give me that give me that and so he was very very interested in knowing and and I I I, I didn't want anybody to feel betrayed you know I didn't want anybody to feel like uh like I was getting in punches that I, I wasn't able to or I, I I didn't want to deliver in person so I I'm not I'm not the kind of person so so yeah in your
1: family've already given you ground rules to following. mm
0: mm-hmm. He was just verifying. Yeah, and he, he wanted to. He wanted to make sure. I, I mean, I know. I think my stepmom hasn't read it yet, but like, she's not really a huge part of the book, so it's all right. You're gonna ask something. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about the like,
1: as an artist and as someone who's creating like a visual medium, but not having control
0: over the art, like, mm-hmm. what's that relationship like? Are there were there any visuals where like I need this exact? Image? Oh yeah. He had carte blanche, but we were really collaborative, so it it was it was more. Um, so I showed you the the layouts, and like there were there's another step after that that's like a little more developed, but still pencil, even though it was all done digitally. Um, and there were points where I would, you know, I I would I would have my script open on this side of the screen, and then his layouts on this side or the pencils on this side, and I'd go over them side by side, and I would say to him. Like, this looks great, but you're not selling this moment hard enough. This this is, this is moment here is really important. So there were, even like the week that we went to press, I begged him to just redraw this one little thing and this one little thing. And he did, because he's lovely. And, um, but he was, George was amazingly cool about it. And, uh, really what we wanted was, like, the, the best possible version of the book that we could produce with the amount of time we had. And, um... I, know. I, I think we got close. Yeah.
1: How different was the finished book from the one sheet
0: that you turned into humanoids? Um the one sheet that I that I turned into humanoids uh I was the main character. And when I turned in the um like the the longer treatment and all of a sudden it was about a different family and like Malka was the main character and everybody at the publisher was like where's Dan? Like, I don't see him. In, and they thought they were getting a an autobiographical book. And, and I, I threw them for a loop. But, you know, it was the story I wanted to tell. Or it was the way I wanted to tell the story. And um, and I said, this is what it's going to be. So, and they, they were giving me a hard time about it. And I was like, this is going to be the book. So, either you're interested in it or I'm going to take this version somewhere else. So, they were, uh, they wanted it. Okay. George is Brazilian. George is Brazilian. Not, European. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, people from Brazil are from all over, so so he. I mean, I don't know his exact l- lineage, but um, I mean, he he's very European looking. He lives in Barcelona now too. So, but but he had the name first. Um, but uh, but yeah, George is you know he's he's born and raised in São Paulo, and uh, he's uh, he's just like I I can't say enough nice things about him. But as far as his like bloodline, I I don't know about that. We never really had that conversation. I do know he's not Jewish, if that means anything to you. He didn't have that level of connection to the material, but he said that living in Barcelona and being around like old, um, you know, like different city planning and like you know city streets with town squares and things like like he he, he, it was very much in his. uh, It was around him already, and made it easier for him to do the work, which was cool. Yeah, my, my, you know what felt really free was my butt not being in the chair for 14 <laughs> hours a day. That was, the, that was amazing. Like t- free to get up and go have lunch or work on other projects. Or, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's a point at which, you know, I wrote, I think from beginning to end, I wrote the whole book in three months and then he was drawing it for much longer. And I've been, I've been that guy and I know how it is. And it was really nice not to be that person.
1: certain extent. I feel like a lot of times like if you have like a studio visit with like a painter or something, mm-hmm. you're to like point something out that the artist has because they've been working on it yeah. for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. So maybe that helps. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's really interesting because uh I can't imagine coming up
0: with a narrative, the story, yeah. and then physically having to like, draw it. So it's hard. <laughs> it's really <laughs> hard. But uh you know uh, there's something the, the other the, on the flip side of that, the nice part of Doing everything yourself, which I have done like multiple times, uh, is it's you don't even talk to. There's no consultation. There's no collaboration. It's just like you you are making what you see, and that's it. And that's really pure. And that's really cool. And I think that they both have their uh, their pros and cons. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked being able to get up and walk out and have lunch and not be in front of the desk as much as I, I normally was. It was really good. I really tr- I was very aware of that um and I really tried not to be and there were m- the the points at which I had to beg for something I was deeply respectful and and he he never really gave me a hard time I think that the and I and I was able also to serve as a buffer between myself and and like the publisher in a way that was really helpful I think for him so I probably shouldn't have said that out loud but uh, <laughs> but that was good. I mean it was important for us to be a team. And uh, you know, I think we're a really good one. So, yeah. As, as you write the
1: script, do you give a lot of direction towards what you want to see on the page?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I really um I think that's important um if it's not immediately clear and then sometimes if I I didn't didn't give enough. I felt like sometimes the the moment didn't land right emotionally. Like the characters are maybe giving not the right performance, and so I I learned early like the level of detail I had to put in for him, um, especially because English is not his first language either. And so it was you know we're writing about another culture that you know neither of us really knows backwards and forwards. And then on top of it, he's he's taking my direction in English. Um, his English is excellent, but it's not his first language. Um, so, so yeah, there were moments where we would, we were splitting hairs over people's expressions or their body language. I'm like this, you know, like you, I don't, I don't feel the level of humiliation or anger here that I want to, and I don't feel the, I, this is like happy, but it's not ecstatic, and and you know there were, and then there were parts that were like a little too extra that I was like tone this down a little bit, and this is supposed to feel more like, and then insert movie reference here, and he was like, okay, I got it, I got it. And so we did a lot of that back and forth, and, and since the artwork was all digital, it was easy for him to just kind of like, I mean, he drew on a, the whole book on an iPad, and he would just kind of zoom in and fix it and pop back out. So it was, it was great. I mean, I, you know, the, working that way you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it would have been a much longer process. Um, there w- there was some editing at the end but i i i think it was more in it was not so much on the page it was in the text so there was a little bit of that but Um, it was, yeah, it was designed to be a graphic novel. Uh, originally, it, like the version where I was the m- the main character was would be m- much more simple, kind of like a, a webcomic, if that means anything to you. But I thought it would be on, um, I was going to design it for Instagram. So it would be like single squares. And it was just not enough room for me to tell the story I wanted to tell. And then so once it morphed from that idea into like pages of panels, uh, and I could fit everything I wanted to fit, it uh but but I mean, I guess with comics it's not comics is not the writing and comics is not the art, it's the synthesis of the two, and like that's that's what's weird about it um, so you're like the finished product is it, it it's it's those two things overlaid that make it what it is it makes it's what makes it come alive and uh, yeah, that's the way I think about it. guys are very quiet now. Anybody have any more questions? You want to see the books or something? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do that. All right. Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by